What's up, everybody? Welcome to the twentieth episode of the Early Twenties podcast. Namaste, bhai aur bano. Today, I'm Shubhankar, hosting from Singapore, and joining me are my co-hosts, uh, Gyani from London, and uh, sorry, Gyani is from Abu Dhabi, and Pravjot from Pravjot from London. Uh, today, we have uh, two guests joining us here in Singapore. Uh, this is Gaurav Chandrasekhar from uh, from like from. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where he's from. Like born in uh, born in Bangalore, raised in Chennai, uh, traveled the world. Now working in Singapore. Uh, we'll get into this. And joining me is Andy Andy from Britain, and uh, he's in Singapore uh, for this week, uh, traveling. Uh, he's a friend of uh, Gaurav, and uh, we actually bumped into each other last night uh, over a dinner, and uh, somehow. we landed upon the conversation of the early 20s podcast actually we had ramshree with us uh, who has also been on the podcast and we started talking about ramshree's life story and then uh, somehow we got into his podcast and then we got into our podcast and uh, lo and behold uh, 12 hours later 18 hours later we are recording this podcast uh, we are sitting in this uh, nice uh, apartment on newton road in singapore so a pretty pretty cool place uh, But hey, hey, hey! Thanks for doing this, guys. Um, this is Gaurav, and uh, this is uh, my new apartment. I'm just getting used to it, and it's amazing to hear about this podcast. Uh, in 24 hours, we we decided to do this, and interestingly, Andy is visiting me from Bali uh, for a week, and uh, we hung out in different parts of the world and uh, talking to. your friend ramshree and about the early 20s podcast we quickly figured that uh, this could be an interesting uh, thing to do and as i settle into a more one place life and reflect uh, the last couple of years uh, on the travels the journeys amazing experiences uh, you came and said you know why don't we uh, see where this goes and uh, i'm definitely excited to be here what's up guys i'm andy it's nice to be here thank you for inviting me So yeah, I'm from originally from England and I'm currently staying on Gaurav's sofa for the weekend. <laughs> He very kindly let me stay. I actually live in Bali at the moment for the last few months, but my visa ran out so I had to come over to Singapore. And yeah, worked out nice Gaurav's living here, so staying with him. And yeah, we're here to talk about the the nomad lifestyle. I've been doing it for a few years, so yeah, hopefully have some interesting things to discuss. So yeah the, so today's episode is going to be centered around uh, the life of digital nomads and and how these two guys have been uh, just traveling around the world and and making good money by <laughs> while at it and uh, living really really interesting lives uh I I I just want to get a brief introduction about uh, both of them so uh, Gaurav actually uh, did his bachelor's from NUS in Singapore uh uh around 8 9 years back yeah. and then he worked as a software engineer and in around 2016 he decided uh to start his uh 
second life as a digital nomad he traveled around the world he went to ecuador he went to uh, mexico bali uh, uh, and I, i don't even know where all you you've been uh, but uh, and now you've uh, come back to singapore uh, to live a uh, one place lifestyle and you're you're working as a product manager here in here in grab um, so a, a very interesting profile and and i love to dive deep into it uh, andy on the other hand uh, i tried to research this guy on on the internet but i couldn't find a single google link <laughs> to his to his name uh, all i know about him is that he uh, works for 3 months in a year and for the re- uh, rest of the 9 months he he does uh, skiing in the alps and uh, surfs in bali uh, <laughs> and and he does uh, he he works in the uh, so i've been told that he works on some secret projects uh, but but majorly it's it's <laughs> it's uh, affiliate marketing on amazon that he uh, makes his money on uh, <laughs> so my first question to you uh, and prabjot and gyani uh, add if you want to uh, my first question is how did you guys discover uh, what digital nomad what a digital nomad is and how did you get into it you know this was very interesting because um, yeah I, i so i grew up in india and i went through the ride for getting into the iits and the bits i studied really hard in my high school and i realized i, I didn't make it um I think I was at the 4000s for IIT and I uh, got a I think naval architecture in IIT Madras and I didn't make it to bits in a very high and interestingly uh NUS at that point in time was opening admissions from people in India and Indonesia and neighboring markets and I decided to give it a shot. I had no idea about life outside India. That was my one way flight to Singapore. Mm. uh my family and i went on a small holiday i didn't know what singapore was actually uh but i realized it is a small island and uh, it's growing really fast and there are fantastic opportunities so why not right it was a big leap of faith and uh f- singapore actually was a great launch pad because uh that uh experience of studying in a university with people from all around the world but focused on southeast asia gave me an idea of understanding you know different cultures uh different countries that existed uh what opportunities around the world looked like what specifically the tech industry is doing i didn't know what silicon valley was uh until my first year where there was the nus entrepreneurship society i studied in national university of singapore nus uh the entrepreneurship society gave me an idea of okay these are the things that's happening uh it was really good launch pad and opened my eyes um and so as an ambitious uh, young guy from i wanted to just jump on some of these opportunities and so uh, as a you know international student you also get an opportunity to go study uh, abroad for a year and i decided to go to sweden um gavia again is i thought sweden was switzerland <laughs> no 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 kidding uh it's one of these scandinavian countries and uh, one of the first places i lived outside singapore after i started education and i realized holy shit uh you know mm. the world is much bigger than i thought it was Uh, I also made uh, trips to the US to Silicon Valley to understand some of these companies and I got really interested in this technology industry. 
And fast forward, I started my first job uh, because of a friend who I studied with in in US, and this was actually in Sweden. Uh, I decided to join him, uh, running a very young company. And you know, there was a side of me where I always wanted to, you know, go and see new pastures. What are the new experiences out there? It was always exciting, Um, and so. Uh, if if I can make this a bit short, it's I spent a bunch of time in Sweden, and then I I was I spent a bunch of time in New York City in the U.S. and I realized, unfortunately or fortunately, being uh, an Indian citizen, it often is difficult to get a visa, work visa in some of these countries. Uh, in Sweden, there is a Swedish migration board, Migrationsverket. I had some very small paper anomalies that said, "Gaurav, please leave, come back after one year." And in the U.S., uh, my L1A, L1B petitions were declined. And I was like, hmm, you know, I feel like I'm a good employee and I'm not able to work in these amazing places that I had dreamed of and I learned about. What should I do next? So I didn't have the answers and I was, by the way, I know this is the early 20s podcast. <laughs> I'm not in my early 20s, I'm in my later 20s, just to, just to make it clear. Um, I was like, what the hell should I do? Right, so I decided to go to Bali. Everybody was going to Bali at that point in time. Great holiday destination. I go there, and interestingly, that's when I met Andy, mm-hmm. and I saw a bunch of folks in a co-working space called Dojo Bali. I just popped by. Who would ever go to a co-working space on a holiday? I was busy surfing and uh, going to the waterfalls. I popped by, and I realized, holy shit! There's a huge bunch of people, and this was 2015, 16, Andy. 2016, who are leading amazing lifestyles, are running internet businesses, are working, you know, four or five hours a day, are surfing in the morning, and I realized, hmm, why can't I do this? So, interestingly, the folks I've been working with said, Gaurav, let us hire you remotely. And again, remote work at that point in time was just about starting. People were skeptical about it. Uh, It was more for software engineers where... In local markets like Sweden, they were finding it hard to uh, recruit. But at the same time, you know, they had migration issues where it takes a year for somebody. So they said, okay, Gaurav, you know, we worked with you. We have trust. And thankfully, that's been there even now. They said, why don't we give you a shot? Like, Let's work remotely. And I realized uh, it's possible. And that's when I got to learn from people like Andy and other folks that I met. And I realized, you know, I could do this longer. And um, I, t- I took on a journey for a couple of years and went to all these amazing places. So that's that's like a summary. Um, and it's been uh, a fantastic experience. And I'm so grateful I did that in my 20s. And it's more possible today than it was ever before. Mm-hmm. With... Um, access to cheaper flights with co-working spaces that guarantee that you have a very good connectivity with um, Ubers and Airbnbs that make services very, very easily available. And most importantly, people who are not very dissimilar like you, um, who want to meet people like you, understand where you come from, what life looks like in your part of the world, and we are becoming a globalized world. So I'm very glad I did that and met people like Andy who showed me it was possible, but also gave me a very good community-like experience. So that's that's the quick summary. <laughs> Okay, I'll explain how I ended up in Bali and met Gaurav. So I grew up in the UK in a small town just north of London. And I studied in a city called Durham in the north of England. I studied uh, maths and economics as an undergrad and then a master's in computer science. 
And after that, I finished, this was September 2015. And I didn't really want to get a, a graduate job, so I just pretty much Googled how to make money online. <laughs> and one of, the, one of the top results that comes up is affiliate marketing. And the, the concept's pretty simple. You, you don't need to actually sell a product or anything. You just refer people to Amazon to buy stuff. And if they buy it, you get a commission. So I thought, oh, this is pretty interesting. I had a bit of a background in SEO, like search engine optimization, and I'd previously made some like hip hop album websites. I used to do some like dodgy, dodgy stuff online when I was 16 years old. Right. <laughs> yeah, I started doing that, made a site about hoverboards in 2015, and it ended up going quite well. Gave me enough money to come out to Bali. So I actually, I actually came to Bali because I was dating a girl in England. And she was going on a, a travel to Bali, and I kind of followed her out there. Right. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so I, I came out to Bali for for romantic pursuit, and then that that collapsed within about a week of arriving there. <laughs> but I thought I'm out here; I might as well make the most of it. So I kind of moved around, stumbled across this place, Dojo Bali, this workspace, and it turned out to be just an amazing workspace environment. So many cool people. Met Gaurav there. Met there's just all sorts of different characters there. There's professional online poker players. There's people with already successful businesses. There's people just looking to start out, looking for ideas. There's journalists. There's social media influencers, these kind of people. So it's just an amazing environment to be around and meet people. Ended up staying for six months and that was, yeah, that was the start of my nomadic lifestyle, I guess. Yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah, I have one question. Uh, in 2015, you finished your uh, graduation you did your graduation and you were making money doing SEO uh, why did not why why didn't you take a job at that point of time why did you like w was it all because of the girl <laughs> or, or or did you have some clear vision that you did not want to take a job and do something else so so after I started making the money so the thing with Amazon affiliate is that they you have to wait about four months to get paid so I made this money shortly after finishing in like late 2015, but you don't find out if you're going to get paid for a few months because it takes them a long time to process a payment. And my friend was actually doing a ski season in the, the French Alps, working in a bar, and the guy he was working with had just been fired, so he was like, oh, come out and work with me. So I ended up going to France for six months, and that kind of delayed any kind of job starting opportunities. And then once I got back from France, it was getting on for summer 2016, and I knew the money was coming in, so, and then, yeah met this girl and I was like, why not go to Bali? So, yeah, headed out there. Yeah, what's interesting is uh, sometimes when you graduate, there is this pressure for you to find a job. There are different reasons. I mean, because uh, the education has been paid for and you have to start kicking in. And also the cultural pressure for you to find something that's high paid, has a brand name and so on. But what's interesting about Andy is I think he's not that pushed by those pressures. And he wanted to find his own charter, uh, which is very exciting. Um, I mean, it di you have to see that, you know, he had some idea about kind of the internet and uh, what things that can be done. But it takes a lot more courage for you to actually decide, I don't know, but I will just give this a shot, uh, which I think is very, very important. Um, for both of you, it was like a why not question. So um, Andy asked, why not go to Bali? You asked, why not go to Singapore? So it seems like you guys really like jumping on opportunities when you find them. You don't 
sit and think about it much and you just go for the opportunity which is yep agree and and, and i think being in the early 20s at that point of time helps because you're in you're still in the mode of rebellion and that i want to find my own voice maybe so that probably helps in tackling the why not question yeah no this is interesting i definitely didn't want to live at home <laughs> so i was like anything that digs me out i'll take it um but the other thing is even in today's world you can have only so much information you know you can draw charts say this is the good this is the bad but what has really helped me is to take a leap of faith you believe in yourself right uh you just know what it is it's like that coin experiment where you throw something up and you know the answer before it even falls um i that's generally guided me i don't know if it's all going to end somewhere but uh if all the major decisions it seemed to have helped me uh and i feel like i'm that leap of faith guy and it's also helped me with some of my adventures um uh so i with the, with the specific skydiving experiments right uh, it's really helped me literally leap of faith so that's that's something i i, I really like and it's i think a very good uh attribute of like entrepreneurs as well because you if you're doing every what everybody else is asking you to do then it's not the, probably the the best idea uh, the best business so uh, just something i often this feels you know what is the right decision um but it's most about what is the most exciting thing for you to do yeah i think the your early 20s is just a great time to try as many different lifestyles as possible yes and then that comes from somebody who's in his early <laughs> his early 20s i'm i'm 25 i guess i'm mid mid 20s but yeah my i guess my philosophy is it's just nice to try and live as many different lives as possible right when you have the freedom the way i look at it is like if you go somewhere like if you go to bali or you go to mexico and you don't like it right. the w- like worst case you can book a flight and probably be home the next day right. you know mm-hmm. like it's really not that much of a commitment these days yeah. i guess it depends on how financially free you are already but at the end of the day it's like what's the worst that can happen you know right. you go there for a week you don't like it and then you go back home yep. for me like when i go back home i normally spend Three months of a year, maybe back in England, and I stay with my parents. <laughs> and, like I love them to death, you know. But after a couple of weeks, it's like we we drive each other crazy, you know. Like it's lovely at Christmas, New Year's, and yeah. hang out with my friends. But most of them work nine to five jobs, so it's amazing. Like spending time with them at the weekends, but during the week, it's kind of like I'm just sitting in my my parents' bedroom, just like, what am I doing? I feel like I'm sixteen again. So it's like when when Gorov messages me and says I'm in Mexico it's great right. it's a bit of a no brainer to to fly out and come and experience it you know Yeah it's amazing Yeah the quick point is yeah. uh, it's good to ask you know what's the worst that can happen mm-hmm. and it's easier to answer that when you're 20s mm. Interesting interesting and and that that's a nice segue uh, so Andy just mentioned uh, that uh, Gorov made a call uh, and uh, asked him to join for his Mexico trip and uh how 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 did that happen how so after bali you guys met up in mexico and now you're in singapore so how has your travel experiences been like together yeah so in basically in bali i realized uh, i could do this long term mm-hmm. but the challenge was i was working between new york and stockholm the folks i knew and the time difference starting to kick because uh i had to work in the evenings where these folks are by the beach uh having fun <laughs> and i'm uh in this co-working spot like coding away mm-hmm. 
and i realized hmm why this doesn't sound that great but what's the other side of it right i realized uh, these some of these folks i met have been to other parts of the world and i have always dreamt of going to the galapagos i wanted to go to peru and machu picchu i wanted to go to salar de uyuni in mm. bolivia uh i wanted to go to first of all i didn't know what guatemala was <laughs> but i figured i figured it out and i <laughs> and i wanted to go to central america and so okay why don't we go at a different time zone and take a a leap of faith again so i decided to take a one way flight from bali singapore to quito ecuador why ecuador is partly because of galapagos but it's one of the most open countries so being an indian citizen uh it was important for me to visit the countries where i don't need to stand in line to apply for a visa and the interesting thing is if you have a long term us visa b1 and b2 a uh, lot of latin america opens out to you this is including mexico uh, ecuador colombia peru and so on and so i was like hmm what's the worst that can happen just like what andy said 3 months in ecuador let's give it a shot uh thankfully the folks who i'm working with already trust me that i'm doing a good job let's see what where this takes me so uh i decided to go to ecuador i realized shit i actually look like some of the latin american folks <laughs> <laughs> so that was a, that was a good uh, segue uh, but i didn't know spanish everybody was speaking uh spanish and i was like uh i need to get a taxi here and they're like que está hablando <laughs> and i wanted to learn spanish so interestingly one of the themes has always been to learn something in each of these countries and see the things that i saw on discovery channel or national geographic which my father had shown me a lot of as a kid uh and a lot of the information started gathering when i was studying in singapore and took these exchange trips to sweden and the us right and i wanted to go to machu picchu and I wanted to go to all these countries so I decided I'll chart after a few months in Ecuador where I felt comfortable chart a trip uh, over Latin America uh there is you know it's South America and then the Central America right and after Ecuador I moved to Colombia I went to Peru and all of these were at least a couple of months in every city in a co-working space and interestingly the folks i met in bali i also saw them in medellin in colombia i saw them in cusco in peru and what the most beautiful thing is the community is very well knit and i met uh, mariel a good friend of mine in bali as well just like and uh, andy knows her as well she was in sayulita which is in the west coast of mexico it's actually the bali of mexico if you ask me and she was like oh this place is great it has great wifi fantastic for surfing we were united by our interest in surfing and i was like hmm sounds great it'll be a great uh, segue into mexico and i go there and the most interesting thing is to do this with other people yeah. and i message andy message me out of the blue he's like hey man uh, i'm a little bored spending <laughs> spending time with the, in his parents bedroom and, yeah, and i'm yeah, like been with my parents for a couple of weeks so it's yes. crazy exactly and i'm like hey i'm here uh, in sagulita it's it's amazing and he took a one way flight to come and interestingly he spent more time in sagulita than i did i'm like i'm out of here in a couple of months uh, but the beautiful thing has been reconnecting with folks who i met in different parts of the world and now in singapore and uh going after these amazing experiences that's the travel story of me i'm sure he has an interesting story too so what's is this our travel since bali yeah okay so i spent around 5 months in bali chilling with gorov doing a bit of work so a lot of my work is 
I make websites around Black Friday. So like that's one of the biggest times of the year for affiliate marketers that deal with consumer products because a lot of people buy a lot of stuff on Black Friday. So I, I make I make websites advertising Black Friday deals. And so yeah, a lot of my work is based around November, December kind of time of the year. So I was in Bali until December, went back for Christmas, spent a bit of time with my family. And after that, I'm trying to think what I did. I think I came out to Mexico. Mexico was 2017, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mexico was 2017. So I, I spent a bit of time in Sevilla in Spain for a couple months right. with another guy I met in Bali, right. French guy. And uh, yeah, came out to Mexico, yeah. spent five months out there. And yeah, it's like a really nice, chilled place to... All you really need these days is Wi-Fi, to be honest, to do this, like remote working, yeah. depending on what your your job is. But there was a nice co-workspace in Mexico. It's a lot smaller and more intimate than the one in Bali. So in Dojo Bali, there's maybe 200 people working there, several different rooms, all different kind of environments. Right. Whereas in Mexico, there was about 10 of us, which was a nice change from the Bali, like the big, it was like a very tight-knit little community. Yeah. And yeah, we would go out for dinner, eat tacos each night, go surfing, and yeah, see each other each day. It was really nice. Spent about five, six months there. And then, yeah, since Mexico, I've been in Brazil for five, six months. I was dating a Brazilian girl, and I was living in Sao Paulo. And yeah, and now came back to Asia because Bali is one of the best places that I've been so far for meeting people and working online. Yeah, that's amazing because uh, Sayulita, where we were, is a great spot. Uh, it's one of those uh, magic towns, Pueblo Mágico, that Mexico has. And interestingly, I think for Indians, Mexican food is amazing in terms of flavor. Uh, the tacos, the quesadillas, most of the time we were actually eating locally in the streets and surfing. It's a fantastic, it's, the, the whole city is just four by four blocks. And I had a fantastic apartment and I realized the floor above was getting uh, empty and so Andy came over and a few other friends of his. So we have very fond memories. Interestingly, a lot of the great memories of my travel are with other people. Uh, even though it might not be adventurously extreme or you're like climbing a mountain or you're like going down uh, deep into oceans, for example, but it's often with other uh, people. Nice, nice. Uh, do you, do you um, guys have anything? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I have a couple of questions. So um, do you guys follow Nomad List? Yeah, the uh, the guy that made Nomad List, Peter Levels, he actually works out of Dojo Bali sometimes. You know so. him, right? Yeah, we've we've both met him a few times. Can you yeah. can you connect us with Peter Levels? <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know him well enough to be doing introductions, but he's a he's a really cool guy, super friendly guy, and yeah, he's really inspirational. Interesting. How how does the uh, backpacking scene in uh, Southeast Asia compare with the backpacking and di- digital nomad scene in uh, Ecuador? Like Bali is very popular, Chiang Mai is pretty popular, but Ecuador seems new to me. Like, yeah. yeah, so on Nomad List, I think it was really helpful for me to figure out where to go. Uh, and the guy is solving a really uh, necessary problem. And interestingly, uh, the community in Dojo Bali has been pretty well knit. Uh, Andre, who's become the product hunt maker of the year, and I do want to ping him after this, 
uh, is somebody who I saw even before he started this movement. And it's an amazing subset of nomads who are great makers who want to join the journey in building products. And there are other types of them. And I've seen way different kinds of it as well. And I'm very glad because it's picking up. And Andre and I, we went free diving on a course uh, up in north of Bali together. And uh, it's interesting how the community is developing. That being said, uh, yes. So the most interesting hotspots are in Latin America, it's Medellin. Uh, it's actually Sayulita becoming Mexico City, Tulum, uh, even though the internet infrastructure could be better. Uh, Lima is interesting. Um, La Paz has, uh, is growing as well. So there are different communities like the Wi-Fi tribe, the remote year, and I've seen them. Interestingly, in different parts of uh, <laughs> when I was doing it alone, I've always wanted to do it alone because the programs often, after a time, uh, you have to follow the course. And I, depending on my visa status, you know, it's those programs focused more on kind of European and American folks who had free entry, and I had to figure things out myself. But I realized I actually wanted to go to some of these exotic places and figure it out myself because after three months of Ecuador, I had a conference in Spanish where I knew I could feel comfortable. At the same time, I saw the WeWorks popping up. And this was now in Medellin. I saw WeWork coming up in Mexico City where I spent six months. Uh, there's a WeWork in Lima that was very, very comfortable. Um, and so those things really started to... Uh, give me the confidence that I can do this, even though these are not hot spots and they're becoming. So if you take my bet, I think in five years, you'll find these folks not only in Chiang Mai or Bali, but also in these spots, especially Mexico City is amazing for Silicon Valley entrepreneurs who want to, if they have a runway, they can actually double it by being in Mexico City. Um, uh, when you say Andre, you mean Andre Azim of the guy who... Uh uh, spent a year trying yeah, to get that's, to that's one camera. That's right. I'm very happy for him. <laughs> we should ping him after this. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he, he's very inspirational. I've been following him on Twitter. I think I came to know about him like six or seven months ago. I've been seeing his graph. Yeah. Interesting, dude. Uh, say, like, job well done to him if you meet him next. <laughs> yeah. Prabhjot, do you have any questions? Yeah. Uh, one question that I had, which is um, somewhat different from travel, actually, but um, I believe when you started, um, Gaurav, this is one. This one's for you. Uh, I was just saying that when when Gaurav, you started traveling, uh, when you were in Bali, and then your travels post that you're working as a you're working in a product role as opposed to an engineering role. Is that right? And so I, I was interested in sort of knowing about. I mean, for software engineering. Being a software engineer myself, I can very much imagine that it's it sounds something that can easily be remote tabled. But for a product role, I always imagine that to be something which has like a ton of interaction, a ton of meetings. Uh, how was your experience like on that perspective? Did that was that a problem? How did how 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 do you compare it to your software engineering days when I guess uh, the first couple of years out of college you were first working as a software dev? Yeah, that's a great question. So the answers are multi multiple fold. So my background is from a engineering background. And so I started my career being a software engineer. And interestingly, when I started working with Markable, the startup with uh, people I've already worked with, I started off being an engineer. 
And that's how it started off in Bali and also in Ecuador and as I moved to Colombia and so on. But interestingly, after you hit specific maturity of a product where people are asking for it, it turned out that I spent a lot of time with clients. And uh, specifically, the engineering and the computer vision team, this because it's a visual search product, was uh, based out of New York City, where I made constant trips. But since I was involved in building the first set of APIs and products, I st my role started becoming very client-facing. And um, I realized I'm spending less time with engineering s specifically, but more time working with. And so that informed the product decisions of how things need to go. Specifically for the remote lifestyle, uh, it is definitely easy for software engineers because there are tools like you know GitHub and Slack and Jira and Trello where you can you know just ship code and contribute to the product. And there are definite ways of doing it with product management. It's less so. It's really important. The underlying um, core of why it worked for me was because there was trust. Uh, I have worked with uh, Jonas, the person I worked with for a, for a long five years. So the working experience really um, helped because I know the capacity of him and what he expects of me and how he expects me to work with clients, he being the CTO. And it was a very small team. Uh, so it, the, the role was less important. It was more getting stuff done in a startup-like environment. We were not more than 15 people. Uh, interestingly, if you look at big companies, and these are Silicon Valley companies, right? Um, it gets more siloed into a specific role, and there are remote opportunities with companies like GitHub and Buffer and so on. And interestingly, they even give you a relocation bonus. So some of the companies that are based out of Silicon Valley will pay you to move away from Silicon Valley because it costs them, and you can actually make more money by going remote. And these are for specific roles. I don't see that yet for PMs, but the PM role is becoming part of that, you know, remote opportunity for small to mid-sized companies, small more so if you've already worked with the team. And so I think a lot of the remote nomads working with startups and product-like environments, by the way, Andy doesn't, mm -hmm. it's amazing, you see so many other people, is it's the uh, relationship you have and how you can convince your team and the company to do so. Um. I, I don't want to make this like an engineering uh, podcast, but um, yeah, I just want to say that I think uh, remote work is the future and uh, a lot of VC money ends up going to real estate agents, like you pay salary to a dev and the dev ends up paying that money to a real estate agent. You get VC money from your VC and you end up giving it to WeWork or some other real estate company. So yeah, I can see why remote work is like like the future. People are distributed. Like if, if I have an engineering team, which is covering five different time zones, then I have 24-7 customer support as well. So I, I can see why remote work is the future. And uh, yeah, totally on board with that. Um, in fact, I read in fact, I read this read this article by Naval Ravikant, uh, who was who is also a very strong supporter of remote work, partly because he led Angel and like their job is to uh, connect startups and people across the world. Uh, coming back to travel, uh, I, I'd like to ask Andy about uh, how do you go about, like it's a more strategic question, how do you go about planning your year? Like how far do you look uh, into the future? Like do you see, you, you, you told me that you work in October, November, December. And then how far do you plan your quarters? Do you apply for visas beforehand? 
when do you book your tickets or is it very spontaneous so yeah i would say spontaneous is probably the most accurate word so yeah october november december even september i like to be settled in one place knowing that i can stay there for a few months and work so last year it was sao paulo in brazil i was working in a nice it was like a regis co-working space had an office there the year before that it was mexico sayulita and the year before that it was bali so that time of year i like to know i'm going to be settled somewhere for the next few months with no no distractions or no changing but the rest of the year i normally go home for christmas back to london and then yeah hang around in london until january february go on a couple like most of my friends will go on ski trips to france so i'll join them it's nice to like spend the holiday with friends because i don't get to see them that much the rest of the year if i'm away so it's a nice time to catch up just like yeah i, I kind of commit december january february to just catching up with old friends that i'd like to spend more time with that i don't get to see much the rest of the year and then once it gets to february yeah, i'm itching to go away so i'm just kind of looking to looking to gorov or someone to if like any idea just comes up i'll just jump on it to be honest so yeah this year i chose to go back to bali because it seemed like a good place but yeah it's pretty it's pretty spontaneous to be honest i'll just go wherever wherever i feel like life is taking me at that moment and yeah i like to spend at least a few months in each place because spending if you just go to one place for a few weeks and move around which a lot of people do a lot of people who are just traveling they'll spend a few days and then move on but it's i find that can be pretty stressful you know you don't feel like you're rooted down in one place and it's hard to actually when you're looking to get work done i find it takes at least a week before you can really get into a routine of working so yeah in bali i i know that i have a routine that i can settle down into of like doing a little surfing every day and then working the rest of the time and there's like a nice workspace but when you go to, when you arrive at a new place it's stressful you know because you don't have a, you don't have a group of friends you don't have you don't know where you're going to go and eat and there's a lot of things that it takes a little while to to familiarize yourself with so yeah i wouldn't recommend spending less than a few months in any one place to get a real because you want to feel like you're actually living somewhere you know if you just feel like you're moving around then it's just like an extended holiday but yeah it's nice to so i like to stay at least a few months in each place and yeah bali seems like a good place to to spend a little while uh do you plan so okay i agree uh, the trips could be spontaneous but do you plan like the next 5 years next 3 years any like any short term planning in that sense no not really <laughs> i mean and is 5 years short term planning okay not short that's pretty long term I mean I guess I guess maybe the next the next couple of years I'd like to keep traveling keep exploring new places and find a place where I'd like to settle because I think eventually it's nice to settle down and anchor yourself in one place like Gaurav right now is chosen to settle down in Singapore which is cool and yeah eventually I'd like to settle down but right now I still feel like I'm in that that stage of just trying to figure out where the best place is to do that and i mean there's so many places now to explore that i think it takes a lot of your early 20s and even late 20s to figure that out you know like it it can be like a 5 year plus plus journey around around different spots trying to figure out where the best place is yeah like me in the in your late 20s you get to settle in the early 20s you get to explore <laughs> like andy oh so that segues us into the next topic why did you decide to like finally stay in singapore and stop the 
digital nomad lifestyle is this a temporary thing or do you think as your pm you might grab might try to expand somewhere else will you be traveling around what's the idea here sorry yeah that's a great question i traveled around latin america and bali and there was a little bit of vietnam for close to 2 years and a little more and i went after my dreams i wanted to learn how to skydive i wanted to learn spanish i learned salsa in medellin and this was 3 months amazingly beautiful i wanted to go and have a spiritual experience in peru i wanted to climb the machu picchu and i realized after a couple of years that um sometimes things can get lonely and you miss the community and there is uh people think it gets really tiring it's not as tiring but you miss the beauty of being in one place and i never thought about it you know if you look at a normal life everybody lives in one place if you look at history you you grow up in one place you ideally live there and you also die there and it's uh interesting where you have been there and done that and i missed the community i wanted to build um like for example i play the tabla mm-hmm. as an instrument uh, which i learned when i was a kid and i could not do that traveling um i wanted to do continue competitively swimming which i did again as a kid but that's very tricky to do when you're traveling um even though you're up in the oceans and so on and um i wanted to be more in kind of one place build roots um and so interestingly singapore has always been open to me and uh 5 years ago singapore when i came there were no uh, tech companies at this scale or growth they were very young and um trying to figure out what they want to be and then now you see the likes of grab and gojek entering and you also see companies like google who are focusing on the next billion users and stripe and fo- folks go- focusing on southeast asia as a market and i also missed um having a team that i worked face to face because it can really help help collaborative skills you can learn a lot um building things together in the same physically co-located and i missed that and i knew what it was the difference between remote and working with people uh, in the same place and i wanted to grow my career i think i if i look back um i feel there is my scope of career growth could have been higher if i had been a physi- and so i decided to go after that and singapore and the the opportunity that i have which i'm very excited about it it involves some amount of traveling uh in southeast asia and it's in the payments uh part of the business i'm really really excited about and i decided to pick one place and do these things yeah actually i was listening to uh, another podcast that gorob was on uh, the wandering the wanderers the world wanderers podcast uh, uh, even there uh, you, you you talked about uh, how getting back in touch with your parents was also an important uh, part of your of your thought process and uh, i think that yeah that that comes with age as well uh, that that kind of going back to the roots uh, thing yeah uh, 
Yeah, that, that's actually really important. I I'm very grateful for my parents. You know, they brought me up in a way where they were really open to all experiences, and they say, "Go, God, figure out your uh, ways." And um, I'm so grateful for them. And I realized, uh, especially in the last two years, I've been so far away. My mom is like, "I'll come to Mexico," and I'm like, "You know, I'm not going to be here in this specific spot. I don't know how to plan her trip." And I do want to take her around the world. Those are new set of dreams. But I think that's now. having me seen the world and i realized i could do that by being more rooted as opposed to you know traveling in different spots and so that's exciting yeah andy andy yeah yeah i got to shout out my parents as well like i think yeah a lot of us that do this owe a lot to our parents like they my parents paid for me to go to university in england and they supported me through all of that and then after i finished they were pretty keen for me to get a financial job that kind of thing I went for a couple of interviews it didn't really go too well I didn't really like it and yeah I I told them I want to try this affiliate marketing thing I like I think I can make money online and the first few weeks it was like anyone starting a new site will know that it's like it's you start from nothing so you have no traffic so the first couple of weeks I remember I I like someone bought a book online so I got like $2 commission and someone bought a mattress and i got like 10 dollars commission and my parents would come up to my room and be like oh you sold a mattress like oh you you're doing so well like taking the piss you know and but yeah they supported me for months while i was just still making nothing and then eventually i managed to find something that worked and yeah i'm just i'm just really grateful that they provided me that opportunity to to keep trying and yeah now it's just it's just nice to know that they're proud of me for what i do and they they don't want me to to go into that conventional kind of job lifestyle yeah it's super rare man like a lot of a lot of guests we have on our early 20 show uh it's very rare to have these uh, the supporting the support that you that you guys had uh, a lot of the stories that we hear is people going off beat and then they have to get to a certain level for their parents to believe uh in them uh so yeah interesting uh <laughs> uh with no uh, no real segue i want to ask a random question uh <laughs> it's it's i think you might be asked this quite a lot since you travel what's the craziest travel story each of yours too many too many uh, crazy travel stories <laughs> no this might sound a bit braggy but <laughs> i'm going to I when I went to Sweden and I took a trip to Norway where I invited my mom as well this was in the fjords I saw folks and these are the cliffs and there's like these uh small waterways right and there's big cliffs I saw people base jumping out of it right and these are you know specific uh parachutes and you just jump off a cliff and this was when I was 17 years old and I realized wow I didn't tell my mom then I want <laughs> I wanted to do it but then I realized when I took uh, to the trip to Ecuador I can go to uh and learn skydiving specifically in the US where it's more safe than in other parts of the world and there is a a track to do it and I always had it in the back of my mind to go learn how to skydive solo and so I and and that and then I go back and I I feel you know it's one of the craziest things and I I I'm very happy I did it and I continue to do so is uh jump off a plane with your own parachute and be in that space where you want to feel the fear but at the same time accept it and it's amazing because it teaches you a lot of these life lessons and 
I didn't tell my mom after the till uh, from the 25th jump <laughs> and she doesn't watch my videos anymore <laughs> but uh, I I I that was probably one of the craziest things I've done um and my father who's been in the army I've always updated him about the status and he's like oh that's good god I won't tell mom uh and so he's always been of support which uh, I'm excited about so that's a quick my story um couple of questions so i went skydiving earlier this year like a month ago uh, in dubai in the palm it was a lot of fun it was amazing it was liberating when you jump off a plane you are only in the moment so um but this quarter is summer so they don't teach me teach diving anymore but i plan on doing diving in the third quarter when it's winter here so uh, did you uh, jump off uh, a plane in belize and like on the great blue hole it's a great question i was really really thinking about it so interestingly my last few months i spent in merida so mexico is a very big country and i divided and like conquered it like method to the madness right i saw you in saglita which is amazing and then i went to mexico city which is an amazing city i'd always go back it's amazing great food great people and then i'm like hmm there is playa del carmen and tulum and cozumel and belize and and there's this you know uh, the blue hole and i've seen videos of people jumping out and i don't think i'm there yet so um it takes a lot more jumps and practice before you can land on water so the first step of the process is aff which is accelerated free fall which is seven jumps and then you get the a license at 25 jumps um and you start diving solo only at the 11th and then you get your b license which is water water landing only after you know 50 plus jumps and you have to give the tests and this is with the USPA US Parachute Association and so i wasn't ready to uh, you know land in water <laughs> but that's continuing to be a dream even including the dubai palms uh, which i can it's just one of those long term dreams having um, for uh, the for the dubai palm you need around 1000 jumps before you can jump that's they don't right. allow you to jump solo in the palm without 1000 jumps exactly i jumped tandem it's, fantastic yeah. I have a friend who's taking the license and now he's also going for a pilot's license. Uh so so you can leave the plane when he jumps. Yeah. That's the idea. Yeah, it's 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 amazing because 10 years ago this was a very expensive sport. and i felt like you know it's possible for me to spend this money and do that and i invested in a parachute and i want to continue doing that and it's more accessible to more and more people. Um i often tell people it's for those who this is not for people who um it's rather for people who believe in calculated risk mm. uh and it's just an adventure i don't know if i might do it long term because i can do it when i'm young and single and i have but I, sometimes i think about it my when i think about my mother i feel like you know maybe i shouldn't be doing it this long since it's such a risky thing uh but i'm glad i did um it was the first jump was i spent days thinking about it a lot of the struggles in your mind uh and meditation helped and i realized now i love doing it uh with other people i'm con- i'm confident enough doing it alone and these formations that you can do with other people it's amazing specifically from an indian context uh, this came about after watching that movie um, zmd yeah zmd and i was like you know what this is possible too right uh, why not uh, and interestingly i think uh, the actor is actually a solo diver too no farhan yes he is and he's learned he's um, a solo diver in some of these locations so why not right and he can sit fly which is like you sit 
you sit and you can fly. And that's like you got to go a few more stages, which is exciting to see. Um, yeah, so a fun fact, skydiving is three times safer than scuba diving. Most more people die scuba diving every year. So skydiving is very safe. Um, base jumping is very, very dangerous. I think one in 200 people die doing that. Fuck. That's intense, bro. <laughs> yeah, Andy, your, your craziest travel story. Honestly, I, I'm, I guess I'm pretty lame. I don't really have one, man. Yeah, I've been lucky to travel to a lot of places. Like, uh, cycled down Death Road in Bolivia. That was pretty fun. It's just like, a, it's kind of a sketchy cycle route in Bolivia along the mountains. Okay. It's because Bolivia is pretty high. It's like a few thousand meters above sea level, La Paz. And there's a cycle route called Death Road. And it's normally pretty sunny when people do it. And the day we did it, it was super heavy rain, torrential rain. And fuck, we, we got absolutely, sorry, I, I just swore. That's pretty bad. <laughs> But we got, we got absolutely blasted with the rain and we we managed to get to the bottom after a few hours. It's like 80 kilometers in total. And then our minibus got stuck on the way back. So we had to spend the night on this minibus on Death Road. And yeah, it was a real a real bonding moment between all the all the tourists packed on board. And yeah, we didn't know if we were going to we were going to make it back, but uh eventually they put us up in this random hostel in this small little Bolivian town and yeah, we were all dripping wet and cold, but yeah, we made it in the end. But yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm lucky to have been to a lot of different countries and seen things, but nothing too crazy, to be honest. Maybe I'm maybe I'm too chilled as a person. I need to uh, I need to jump into some more action. Uh, this is interesting. I think Andy is one of the good surfers that I have seen. When I was in Bali, he used to be up at six a.m. To catch some of the big waves, and this is further, this is further out in Changu, and Changu is known for beginner waves. When you are in the first, you know, hundred meters, if you go further out, it's like some of these big waves. And Andy is a really good surfer, so he used to wake up at like five thirty, take his bike and figure out a surfboard, and then be out in the waters. And I used to tell him, Andy, I don't know if I can wake up that early in the in the morning and or do ama these amazing waves, but please, can you wake me up? He tried a couple of times and never made it after. <laughs> any any questions, guys? Or we can move uh, into the final questions. So I think God of you touched upon um, the things that you sort of did not like in terms of when you were answering the fact that why have you decided to sort of settle down. Uh, what about you, Andy? What did you think were sort of the like any mini small points that you faced problems on or something something like that which you i mean parts of this nomadic lifestyle that you did not enjoy for you so yeah i'm sure i'm sure your the pros outweigh the cons and that's why you're deciding to do it but uh what do you think are the cons right now yeah i think there's definitely downsides to the the nomad kind of lifestyle that people tend to to brush over when you just research it online and stuff like I think the main one is just having a, a base group of long-term friendships and family around you because that can be quite stressful, especially when you arrive in a new place. You know, you wake up and you're just like, where am I again? You have to remind yourself, okay, I'm here. And you, you quickly realize that like each day is what you make of it, you know, because you don't have that network of friends that you know are going to be around to hang out or whatever at the weekend. So you really have to put yourself out there and for someone that's like a bit more introverted maybe and a bit more reserved, like you really have to, to make the effort to go out and meet people 
And like, I guess the the upside of that is that, like, on the days where you do like you do bond with people and you end up going out for a really nice meal, it's like it's a really amazing feeling because you realize that you you did this all on your own, you know, like. You're in this situation, enjoying this meal with friends, or you're out having fun, and it's completely your own doing. You know, you didn't, you weren't just here because your friend invited you or something. It's just like this is like, I'm just like, I'm just here because I made I made this life for myself. And similarly, if there's days where you're not feeling so up for going out and doing stuff, then you you realize that yeah, you can just spend all day in bed, but you're gonna feel crappy if you do that. So it's like you. I guess you kind of realize that life is completely what you make of it when you're doing this, like living in different places. And yeah, I guess the downside to the temporary kind of life is that you don't have that safety net to fall back on. Of oh, I'm just going to hang out with these guys at the weekend because we always hang out anyway. So you really have to to put yourself out there and and force yourself to to meet new people. And the the friendships that you make are really worth it in the end. And yeah, I think it can really it develops parts of your personality that you otherwise would just not even bother to, to try and work on if you're just comfortable in a life back home. Yeah, that's interesting. I think the community aspect is very important, and 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 it is growing. And you'll find people who are in similar experiences in the same city that you travel to. The other thing is also having a good. Um, s- work schedule and an idea of how work gives meaning to you. Andy has it because he's working on some very interesting things. And for me, it was working with people that I know who are way smarter than I am and working on a product that is very early but has initial traction. And so work gave me meaning when there are days where you feel like shit, where you don't feel like waking up sometimes. And that those days come. And it's true whether you're living in a normal city long term or even when you're... Uh, nomadic um, and so it's important we open that discussion up as well especially because when you read articles as Andy mentioned it's all oh this is amazing everybody should be doing it uh, there are these uh, not so nice things or things that you have to accept before you get a, embark on it where do digital nomads network digitally is it on nomad list or a Facebook group where to find you guys if I'm going to new town how do I find out who's in Bali or and how do you just stay connected yeah, that's a great question. I think there are new uh, communities coming up, like the Remote Year and uh, Wi-Fi Tribe. And I even saw the Hacker Paradise. These are specifically for software engineers, and you'll find people who are indie hackers as part of that community. And I saw them in Lima, and it was really interesting. Um, so that's one. The second is, for me, it was always, I went to a new place where I knew somebody who I can get introduced to. And this was because I knew folks in the Chiang Mai's and Bali's who I asked, hey, I'm going to Medellin, who should I meet? Interestingly, Medellin is the digital nomad hub in Latin America, specifically because there is this nomad cruise that goes between Medellin and Europe, I think twice a year and back. And I met so many folks in Medellin who I met in other parts of Latin America, which is fascinating. Uh, And so there are, you can ask anybody, I'm going to this specific town, uh, who should I hang out with? Who should I meet? And it's amazing how connected the world is. They'll tell you, and the people who you go meet in the new city will also come and give you the ropes the first and the second day. Uh, but interestingly, some of these are easier to find now. You can find an Airbnb for a couple of months. You know, there's a WeWork. You go in and you realize, hey, Andy, 
<laughs> I'm seeing you again in this part of the world. It's fascinating. So those are the communities and it's and it's growing. Yeah, I mean the world is a big place but a lot of people doing this remote lifestyle end up in the same few places because of sites like Nomadlist and these kind of For anyone that doesn't know, Nomadlist is basically a website that lets you filter and find a place to go and work based on whatever priorities you have so you can search based on air pollution, cost of living, Wi-Fi speed, ratio of girls to guys in an area like it's it's really it's really impressive this dude Peter Levels has built this website and it's a super popular website for deciding where to go and work and I think yeah Changu in Bali which is where we met that's currently the number one spot on there and places like places like Medellin and Mexico they're pretty high up but yeah it's a really good really good tool to find places to work um for the indian people listening to the podcast it also takes care of your visa situation so if you can put your country there it will tell you what country you can visit visa free cool uh yeah so moving to the moving to the meta question and and i outsourced this question to our mutual friend karishma uh and i asked karishma uh, what are some interesting questions that i should ask karo uh, she was like ask him uh, has has he has he been able to process the whole experience yet and i want to ask you the same question because you're moving around like every four months are you able to process the whole like like what you learned and how you're moving ahead do you have that time to do that anyone yeah this is interesting because i just moved to singapore not more than like 6 weeks ago mm. and i feel like i'm here only for the next couple of months <laughs> because of the way i've been running the last few years um when i moved into the new house i am here for the next couple of years i'm thinking twice about buying plants <laughs> or uh, buying something that i you know would not use exactly right and we are minimalists like if you see andy he's just on one bag and so uh, it takes a while to realize you need a little more things you can make it feel like home feel like you and that's actually the beauty of it too and so in, it takes a lot more time just like andy mentioned to move to a new place but a lot more time to kind of figure out your routines and make it feel like home so i'm still processing that i've not landed this plane yet i think this would take um a couple of months a whole quarter at least but i'm okay and interestingly when andy was here is the first person i'm talking about my nomadic life after <laughs> i settled i'm like hmm <laughs> this sounds exciting again <laughs> but um I deliberately made this choice and I'm very happy about it and it does reduce the freedom in some ways but it opens uh the depth of this kind of rooted life that you can experience which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I think it is it is sometimes hard to reflect and take stock of where you are when you move around so much but I think that the time that I spend at home each year, maybe a few months each year is definitely time where you know you reconnect with friends and family that you've known since you were little and you really evaluate your time what you've been doing the last few months and yeah the friendships that you make the last the distance like my friendship with Goro for example like you take those forward and each place you go even if even if you don't like it so much you still pick up things that are going to last long term like maybe you meet one or two people that are going to be your friends or 
you discover a new food that you really like. So yeah, I feel it's yeah, it's definitely hard to take stock of what you're doing when you move around so much. But I guess that's something that I hope that in my thirties and forties even I'll like look back and be like, oh yeah, I had fun moving around. Because at the time it can be quite hard to really appreciate what you're doing. You know, it just feels like you you quickly get used to whatever you're doing. So I've been doing this for a few years now, and it doesn't seem that interesting to me anymore. But then when you speak to people back home who work in London or whatever all the time, they're like, oh, that sounds amazing. It's such a cool life. It's like, I mean, I, I guess it is, but I don't really... It's, you get normalized to it very quickly, you know? Like, as humans, we just adjust to... Yeah, like, we don't we don't find things exciting very quickly. So I guess I just you, you get used to it, but I hope one day I'll reflect and appreciate that it was, yeah, a really good adventure. I have been looking living out of a hotel for the past two months, and I'm also buying... And I'm also buying furniture now and I think it will weigh me down and I'll have to be here for a while to ensure that I make use of the furniture. So yeah, that, that scares me as well, buying furniture. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll move to the last question. Uh, I, was, I was saying we should definitely touch upon any travel hacks that you people might have. Like, if any. Because I'm a, like given like the years of travel, you would have probably traveled 10 times more than I would have. And I'm sure there would have if anything comes to mind? Yeah, great question. So be as light as possible, right? Uh, the less you own, the easier it is to move. So, but never forget the most essentials uh, for you, whatever it might mean. So for example, interestingly, I carried my yoga mat, which is Manduka, and a foam roller, a really small one, everywhere I went. The second was um, a very light towel, that is, can quickly dry. The microfiber. The microfiber, exactly. Um, I had this roost stand uh, for my MacBook Pro mm -hmm. where I can connect it with um, another keyboard mm -hmm. and it made me not type away. You know, the, the new keyboards are not oh, that yeah, great. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and so that has really, really helped me. Uh, I always carry a phone which has double SIM because every country that you go to, you can get a local SIM, but you still have your home country's number. Um, what has also really helped me is invest in different layers of clothing because I remember being uh, climbing Cotopaxi, um, which is like really <laughs> a high mountain, but I didn't have enough uh, layering. But, and so thankfully invested in like low-level low layering, which is like really powerful, um, and you can rent the rest. And I carried it because sometimes you're in really cold weather places, sometimes you're in like sunny places. Um, and so it's not a lot if you think about it. I'm People are surprised when I tell them, you know, this is the bag that I carry, and it's super utilitarian. Interestingly, one of the challenges about skydiving is you have to pack your own parachute without supervision before you get the so-called A license. And I realized the powers of packing. If you roll a towel, right, and you can snuck it into, like, the corner, it takes way less space than, like, you putting it, like, a shirt. And I could, I realized I could fit in like 20% more and I dreaded packing. You know, the days before you leave a city and you move to another, it feels, oh, not again. But this changed my framing of packing. I'm like, hmm, I can actually fit so much more. I could do uh, all of my stuff in one hour before I could travel. And I felt like that really helped me move. It eased the, uh, the process of it. 
Anything from you, Andy? Travel hacks. I mean, I get I get super obsessed with packing as light as possible. Yeah. So I think that the first thing is choose a backpack that's going to be ideal for you. So if you if you choose a really big backpack, you're just going to fill it with stuff that you you maybe don't need. So choose one as small as you can go. Packing cubes are your best friend as well. Nice. So you can put all your t-shirts, roll up all your t-shirts, put them in a little packing cube, fold them down. I like waterproof sacks as well for storing all your stuff. I have a little waterproof sack for all my electronics. And yeah, just uh, I just try and pick everything as light as possible, to be honest. I've recently got really into the bum bag or fanny pack. They're, they're, very, they're very unfashionable devices, but they're very handy. Especially when Not you're just something wearing. you use in your early 20s, by the way. These are more like older people using this, but Andy yeah. is British. They're, they're not very cool, but uh, if, especially if you don't have zip pockets, it can be stressful moving through an airport. But, you know, you can, you can hide it under a baggy T-shirt and keep your passport, wallet, and everything in there. Yeah, that's my, that's my life pro tip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that would be super helpful for our fellow travelers out there. Uh, yeah the the yeah i think gyani might have a lot uh, to learn from this podcast actually because he he travels quite a lot and over the last couple of years he's been traveling all over europe and and we've, we're also planning a trip to brazil actually sometime this year or yeah sometime this year also in patagonia <laughs> brazil uh, patagonia brazil uh, we, are, we 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 have no idea but but we're going somewhere <laughs> we're going somewhere so we're, we're we're thinking like we should do one trip per year last year we were in sri lanka uh, so yeah uh, yeah before Quick before drawing towels sound very useful <laughs> yeah before before wrapping up the podcast th- this is the last question we ask every guest of us and it's uh, what's what's one advice what, what one piece of advice you'd give your own 19 year old self looking back i would say cuz i was i was studying at that time when i was 19 So I was just entering my second year of study. I would say go on the the gap year that your university encourages you to take. So a lot of universities in Europe have Erasmus programs where you can go and study in another university. And all my friends that did it had an amazing time and I guess that's one thing I regret about university not doing that. It gives you the chance to pick up a, a new language whether it's Spanish or French. And yeah, you don't really have to do too much work. You just have to pass it. a fellies like write an essay at the end of it or something after one year's work and that just seems like a really amazing experience where you get to meet a lot of like-minded people and yeah i guess doing an erasmus is my one regret from my university years oh, it's a good uh, piece of advice the specific advice as i look back for myself would be you no know, on the lines of think kind of more long term because thankfully i was part of the technology industry and i knew that it was taking off and that's something not i did not because kind of my parents wanted me to do so but i realized i had like a, an interest and i didn't know where it was taking me but again it was a leap of faith decision that kind of led to all these things right um it's 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 this balance between like really jumping into something but also thinking of the long term consequences of it especially in a cha- in a world where things are changing so fast um the second is in the lines of it's less about you really working hard and that is really important but also about kind of the knowing interesting people and 
you know, often finding a job or finding the next amazing co-founder or finding a great idea comes from meeting interesting people and put yourself in a spot, whether you are like an introvert or extroverted person, because it's really helped me and I wish it could have helped me more where I just ventured out, met these people who are doing interesting things and it's amazing how they can help you. Uh, this can be strangers, but also, you know, friends you ask, can you please introduce me to this person? Because they seem to be in the same industry and I can take advice from them. Uh, maybe they wouldn't reply, but the folks who do, uh, if you meet them and you show the interest, can really change your career. Um, this seems very cliche, but the, the specific um, advice for me is, so Jonas, who I met in university, who I tend to work the last five years, gave me the opportunity to go remote. And this was when in a time where it wasn't conventional, it wasn't, oh, this is what it means. Uh, but I was happy to be given that opportunity and it actually led for me to do all these things. And it was would not have happened if I didn't say hi to him because he was doing some interesting hacking thing in one of these events in NUS, right? So uh, just get out of the way, say hi to people, especially in your early 20s, because you never know how they can change. Uh, but it feels a little uncomfortable. It's, uh, it's pretty interesting where it can take you. Thanks for sharing that. In fact, uh, to Andy's to Andy's piece of advice, it's uh, very different from Indian culture, yeah. where taking a gap here is like uh, you're putting yourself down. Okay. Uh, it's very it's a completely 180. Uh, super interesting. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I, in my when I was like when I decided to go for my university, I never even thought of like taking a gap year or something like that. And like currently I'm in London and I've already met like so many people who have done that, like probably again because they did their universities in a European, European setting. But I think it's just a, it's just a, it's just something that will come to Indian culture slowly, but I think it's definitely required because people... It'll probably come with economic freedom. Yeah, but, uh, but I, I, th even, I think yeah. even a lot of people and who... social security net. I think even a lot of people who are not sort of pressed on... So, uh, like earning for their family, uh, just go for like it's it's a given that oh you'll you'll do, complete your school and then you go for your university. Wherein, I mean it's a it's a different it's a different world really. I mean outside India in terms of competition and uh, yeah. Non-Indian listeners, please watch these two movies, Three Idiots and Udan. Um, the, in in there's a movie in which the guy says that a child is like a fixed deposit. So you spend 18 years and after that you need to get like some significant returns out of it. Yeah, that's true. Anyways, uh, this is a super, super interesting podcast, man. Uh, very different to the ones that we've done so far because a lot of our network is like similar tech guys uh, out of our college. Uh, so yeah, super interesting. Thanks for, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, <laughs> very surprised by how this turned out within within a span of 24 hours and how everything worked out uh, i think when you're going on your flight tomorrow you'll remember you'll remember this trip uh so yeah thanks thanks for coming on the show uh yeah thank you for having us man it's been really really fun yeah you guys are doing some amazing things and um uh, we're happy to be here yeah yeah when shabhankar in, when shabhankar in, invited you for the podcast you probably said why not <laughs> yeah yeah, exactly. I think Ramshi was like, I did this podcast and I was introducing An Andy to yeah. uh, Shabankar and he's like, hmm, this could be interesting. <laughs> so it, uh, it was a leap of faith on his side, on your sides. It was a leap of faith on our sides. It's amazing where it led us to. Yeah. So we are very happy to be here.
Yeah. I'll, I'll link uh, all of your uh, social links, not Andy's because Andy's <laughs> not a social media guy. But I'll link uh, Gaurav's social links uh, in the show notes and anything that has been discussed in the show notes uh, as always. Thank you audience for tuning in. See you next Sunday. Bye-bye. Running through me. Come on, y'all. You can't take this away from me. Oh, the way I hear the melody. The way spring clarity. Running through me.